0: Thanks for being here. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Jimmy Hagen, uh and I am one of the pastors here at In town uh, The word senior uh, means oldest, right? Older in Latin. And um, yeah, I am older than the other pastors, and sometimes they remind me that. But um, it's, it's great to uh, have you here this morning. We're kicking off a month of Sunday mornings when we're... Our, our life groups are meeting together to uh, ask the question what what is God calling us to as a church in terms of cross-cultural friendship and ministry building relationships with people who are not like us um, and uh, so today we're going to see where God leads us on that uh, Andrew has brought in some handouts uh, we had to make extras so if you didn't get one already um, put up a hand and we'll get some to your table, I'm going to take a minute and pray and ask God to do more in this hour than we could imagine. Let's do that. Our Father in heaven, uh, the world is more broken than we can imagine. And so each one of us needs to be part of the healing process. Which means that that you have a greater calling for each of us than we fully understand. Uh, We are broken, and the world in which we live is broken. So we need you to change us so that we could be part of what you're doing to change the world. Uh, We know that we can't change ourselves. If we could, we wouldn't be part of a church. We'd be part of a self-help group, and all would be well. But what is broken about us is so big that the only thing that can begin to fix it is if you yourself would put on flesh and blood and come into our world and live and die and rise again to make it right. We believe you've done that. And because of that, we wait for you to work supernatural change in us. Would you start it this morning? And continue it each day of this week until we can be together again, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, uh, I want to begin our time together by reading from a passage of scripture, Ephesians chapter 2. A few verses selected there. We'll refer back to those uh, as we go through the morning. Uh, We'll also refer to some other resources, and on your handout, you should have a section uh, that talks about resources for uh, further growth. And one of those is a conference that we're doing next weekend. Um, A man that I've had the privilege of of meeting with this fall uh, from Washington, D.C., Erwin Ince, he heads up an institute devoted to uh, uh, enhancing our denomination's ability to to engage in cross-cultural mission and ministry. Erwin will be with us next weekend. You'll see the um, schedule for that conference and a way to register if you haven't already. At some point this morning, you'll hear the name Andrew Walls. Andrew Walls was a, um, a uh, Scottish uh, ministry leader, pastor, and student, a missionary, student of the world Christian movement. And uh, his mission's experience was in Africa. And um, he's done a lot to call the Western church to recognize what God is doing in uh, the non-Western world. Uh, So we'll talk a bit about him uh, as the morning goes on as well. Um, A great foundational book by Daniel Hayes, Every People and Nation. Uh, And then uh, Sung Chan Ra, uh, a book called Many Colors that uh, I found to be very helpful, very provocative for you. Some of the things he says will make you angry. That's okay. Uh, Some of the things he says will make you cry. That's okay, too. Um, But uh, great resources there if you want to follow up on some of the things that we'll talk about this morning. Uh, Another resource that we're going to use during the morning is Ephesians 2. So to set the tone for where we're going, we'll read these uh, verses. I've made only a couple changes to the uh, text from the ESV. The first is, instead of using the word Gentiles, I've put the word ethnoi. Uh, the, the word you see in your uh, English translation, uh, and whenever you see the word Gentiles in the New Testament, uh, it's translating the Greek word ethnoi. Uh, I've put it there as a reminder to us that, that uh, Gentiles were just all the other ethnic groups besides Jews. And so every time the New Testament talks about ministry to Gentiles, it's talking about ministry to every kind of ethnic group you can imagine. Um, So not just Gentiles as a big jumble together, but all the ethnoi, all the ethnicities. Uh, This is God's vision for His people. Uh, Also in verse 14, where the ESV says that Christ came to create one new man, I put the word humanity as a reminder that, uh, that that Jesus is built. I mean, that's what the ESV translators meant. Just making it a little more clear. So let's read from Ephesians two. Therefore, remember that at one time you, ethnoi, all of you ethnic groups besides uh, Jews, were separated from Christ, alienated from the Commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one, that He might create in Himself one new humanity and might reconcile us, both the, the Jewish people Uh, Ethnos, and all other ethnoi, all other ethnic groups. They might reconcile us both to God in one body. And He, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints' and members of the household of God. You hear that vision? That, that God wants the church to be the kind of place where anybody who comes understands that they're not a foreigner or a stranger. That, that they're part of the family. Uh, no matter what their ethnicity, no matter which of the ethnoid they come from. It's God's vision, right here in His Word. This household is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So we want to start our time with some discussion around our tables and to kick that off I want to have you put yourselves in the shoes of a man named Boyd Kim. Uh, Dr. Kim is a coordinator of our denomination's global missions agency which is called Mission to the World. Sometimes you'll hear it abbreviated MTW and uh, Dr. Kim in a recent newsletter Said, you know, nobody should be surprised that a missions agency uh, is um, interested in issues related to diversity, and yet I, I still get a big, a, a lot of questions about why the um, missions agency of the Presbyterian Church in America is putting so much emphasis on diversity and and intercultural uh, relationships and cultural competency, learning how to love people across cultural boundaries. And he, you know, he, he says here what I've got on your handout, I've been asked why we're putting so much emphasis on diversity. Are we trying to be diverse for diversity's sake? Are we simply following the world? So Dr. Kim is saying, hey, this is a time, a moment in, in uh, the Western world where Lots of people are emphasizing diversity and and cross-cultural sensitivity, friendship, relationships. Is this just an example of the church doing what everybody else is doing because we want to keep up with the trend? Um, So start your discussion time using this question. Imagine yourself for a moment being in Dr. Kim's position. How would you answer a question like that? Somebody said to you, hey, why why should we do this? Why why should part of this church, why should should we pursue this kind of emphasis? And then the second question for you to talk about around your tables uh, is, what kind of change are you hoping for? We're meeting together for several weeks to talk about these things. Um, At the end of these several weeks, we don't want to be the same as we are right now. What kind of change are you hoping for? What kind of change would you like to see God begin to work in the life of our church, uh, in your life? Um, So, off to the races. Take, uh, let's say, ten minutes. Talk around your tables uh, around these two questions and see where God takes it. Okay? Go. Go. Let's uh, get a preview of where we're going over the next four weeks. Um, start with a confession. If, if someone had asked me that question that Dr. Kim is wrestling with now, if they had asked me that question three years ago, I don't know that I would have had a good answer. So there's part of me, I, I wish I could say, man, when, when I came here from St. Louis, I had this vision for uh, how in town could be on the cutting edge of living out what the scriptures say in terms of cross-cultural friendship, relationships, cross-cultural ministry. I wish I could tell you that uh, I came here understanding what it takes to do those things, the cost that it requires, uh, and and the the, the hard work of loving one another across cultural boundaries. And I had a plan and a vision I didn't. Um, th- these are all things that I'm learning. Um, and uh, that, that being here at town and being here in Atlanta is, is teaching me these things. So if, if you want to know all the answers, ask somebody else I don't know yet. But I've, I've been thinking this through, and uh, now somebody would ask me these questions. You know, why now? Why Why? why put all this emphasis on uh, cross-cultural uh Friendship, relationships, cross-cultural ministry. Um, why this? Why now? And why us? Why a church like N-Town? I mean, sort of uh, look around the room. We not we may not be the best at this. We we aren't. We're a predominantly white church, part of a predominantly white denomination. That's part of a predominantly Western English-speaking. Anglo-Presbyterian uh, tradition, let somebody else carry this ball because we're not really good at it. I... No, we can't. This is our ball because Jesus is our Savior and this is His vision for all of His people and for every congregation, local embodiment of His church. Uh, and so, uh, even the church that thinks they're great at this needs to get better at it. The church that thinks they're lousy at this needs to get started. And um, so, I've, I've put together uh, recently a kind of a six part answer to that question uh, why this? Why now? Why us? And so, today we'll look at two of those six. And the next time I'm with you two weeks from now, two more. And then the, the final week, the, the last two. And so, kind of a six part answer. Uh, and the t- two parts we'll talk about today are because of what God's doing through the Gospel and because of what God is doing globally. Uh, why should in town start to see cross-cultural friendship and ministry as an essential part of our calling to pursue Gospel restoration right here, right now, where we are? Why? And why? first two parts of the answer to that is because of what God is doing through the gospel and what God is doing around the globe. So let's talk about this two for a few minutes. Uh, what's God doing through the gospel? Well, we got a taste of that reading Ephesians 2 earlier, that God is breaking down the walls of hostility between ethnic groups. That's one of the reasons he sent Jesus uh, to the cross was to make peace. Where there was strife and division, and that's his vision for uh, the world is to create one new human race that has in common not a a common cultural and ethnic background, but we have in common faith in Christ, and that that faith in Christ now uh, gives us strength to do the hard work of pursuing unity. Um, and learning to uh, respect people who uh, come from a different background than we do, learning to love people who think our taste in music is uh, nuts and we think their uh, songs are unsingable, and uh, people who, you know, painting in churches where uh, the clock is so important and you have to end on time. And then we get frustrated by going to worship. Last last Sunday, my family gave me a treat. I didn't have anything to do here at in town on Sunday morning. That's a rare thing for me to be in Atlanta with nothing to do on a Sunday morning. Uh, so would you go with me and visit another church here in Atlanta? We love in town. We, we hate, hate it when we can't be here. But uh, we like to visit other churches as well. Can we go to my friend Tito's church? And... Um, I think it would encourage him for, for me to be there. You can't be a friend of a pastor if you've never gone to his church. Right? So, I'm Tito's friend. i got to go to his um, We walk in. It's a, it's a smaller church where when, you know, seven Anglos show up, <laughs> another Anglo walks up and says, what are all you Anglos doing here? <laughs> um, we're kind of conspicuous, right? And... Um, there are only six agents, but we had a friend, so there are seven of us. And uh, if the worship service starts at 10:30. It says it right there on the website, right? What do you know culturally about a, a mixed Latino Anglo congregation? How likely is it that they're going to start on time at 10:30? So you know, 10:40, 1040, 10:45, worship's getting started. They're like there's the seven of us and five other people in the room. Um, that drives some people crazy because they come from a cultural background that really emphasizes punctuality and the clock, right? Well, okay, that's part of what it means to pursue relationships across cultural boundaries: is that we don't immediately say that's wrong, that's bad, we're right, and, and they're not. Um, yeah, you, you do the hard work of sitting there and feeling awkward for ten minutes. I'm waiting for everybody else to show up. Uh, So that's what God is doing through the gospel. He wants all ethnic groups to come together under one head. Ephesians 1.22 talks about that. God placed all things under His, that's Christ's feet, and appointed Him to be the head over everything for the church. God wants to bring everything under the Lordship of Jesus. Everything includes every material thing, but also every people group. And to make us one humanity, one new church. That's what he's doing through the gospel. When we talk about this kind of ministry, we aren't talking about something other than Jesus. Right? We're not adding something. We're not saying we are a church that believes in Jesus and social activism. We're not saying that. We're saying we believe in Jesus and we believe that the Scriptures say that this is at the heart of the Gospel that Jesus brought into our world. And we don't know how to follow Him in this. We may not be very experienced at it. We may not be very good at it. But we're going to follow Him in this because we love Him. And if this is where He is leading, then this is where we want to follow So, uh, Andrew Walls, I mentioned to you earlier, he's written lots of books on uh, these kinds of issues. And uh, he puts it this way, that when you read Ephesians 1, verse 22, all things under the feet of Christ, verse 23 goes on to talk about the church, His body, which is the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Andrew Walls reflects on that and he says the very height of Christ's full stature, fullness, can only be reached when all these different cultural groups and ethnicities come together in the body of Christ. That the fullness of Christ isn't reached when this ethnic group uh, finds its greatest maturity separately and independently from these others. And we all kind of seek our own growth and maturity separately. That the fullness of who Jesus is won't be seen anywhere in the world until all things are brought together under him, including all the ethnoid, all the nations, the Gentiles, the ethnic groups. This is God's purpose for his church as a whole. Therefore, every part of his church ought to make it their purpose. And I have to say, I I think for too long, I've been like, you know, let let somebody else do this. Let somebody else more qualified. I'm a white guy who's almost 50. I'm not woke. (laughs) I'm not the best qualified to lead in this. But wait a minute. Scripture doesn't say do this if you're qualified. Scripture says Jesus is qualified. He knows what He's doing. We're following Him. And let's just follow him into where he's leading us. And so what that means is I'm just starting to say yes a lot. Now, so, um, you know, um, Tito, can we come visit your church? Yeah, I'd love to have you here. Uh, can I introduce you to my leadership team? Will you pray for us? Yes, I will. Uh, met a former student, a Korean-American young man, uh, a couple weeks ago, and... and uh, Pray for him as he was getting ready to preach at his congregation. It was on a Sunday morning in Einstein's Bagels. Good thing things happen at Einstein's on Sunday morning. And uh, sent him an email and say, can we get together? And he said, yeah, can can we meet this week and uh, can can we talk about ministry? And I'm like, yes. Got another email this week from a friend in Virginia, church planter. Look, I, I know a synagogue in Atlanta that really wants to build relationships with a, um, a Christian church. Would you be guess <laughs> Interested? Yes. At some point, the calendar will get too full and I'll pay the price for saying yes, but, but trying, trying to get better at spending time with people who aren't like me to learn more about what God is doing in the world to learn more about what he's doing in the lives of his people who come from different backgrounds than mine. Um, this is what he's doing in the Gospel. He wants to bring together Jew and Gentile. One ethnic group and all the other ethnic groups um, under Christ as a head. So that's what God's doing through the Gospel. What is God doing globally? Um, if somebody were to ask me Dr. Kent's questions, like, why, why are y'all doing that? Why now? Why Why us? Um, well, first, because this is what God is doing through the Gospel. This is what the Scriptures say He wants to happen. He wants to build a body, a family, a temple, where no part feels out of place. Nobody feels like a stranger or a foreigner. Everybody feels... Like a child of the father and a full citizen. That's what he's doing through the gospel. What's God doing globally? So uh, here's a place where it helps us to think historically and ge- geographically. Uh, a lot of religions have historically be- been centered in a particular place. If I say Hinduism, what place do you think of? India. Are there Hindus who live outside of India? Okay. Yeah. Sure. But the, the center and the heartbeat of Hinduism has remained in India. If I say Buddhism, what, what places do you think of? We think China, India, Tibet, right? More places, but, but all kind of in a similar part of the world. Are there Buddhists outside of those places? Yes, of course. Um, and yet the center of Buddhism has remained in those places for millennia. If I say Islam, what's the center geographically of Islam? Yeah, Saudi Arabia because that's where Mecca is. And so for centuries, even though there are Muslims all over the world, the geographic center and heartbeat of Islam is tied to a certain place. With Christianity, it isn't that way. In the early decades, the, the geographic center of Christianity was Jerusalem. And then, about uh, two, three decades after the time of Christ, that shifted to Antioch in Syria, the home base of the Apostle Paul. And then, for a few decades, that becomes the center geographically from which Christianity is spreading and radiating outward. And then, that shifts to Rome. And then when the Roman Empire splits, uh, Rome and uh, Constantinople become kind of the two centers from which Christianity is spreading. And you see that that it's not staying in the same place. And then the Reformation era, Western Europe, becomes another geographic center from which the the Gospel message is radiating outward. And some people would say, hey, in the 18th and 19th century, uh, the United Kingdom, Great Britain, becomes kind of a center in in 20th century, maybe North America. But if you ask people now what's happening, they will say the center is moving again. God is moving the center of his people, south and east, to Central America, South America, to Asia, to Africa. Um, And we might lament uh, what's happening in the Western world—increasing secularism and, and hostility toward uh, some of the truths of the Christian faith—and yet say the church is flourishing in China in ways that we don't often, often hear about, and and God is doing amazing things in Africa. You want to hear more? I, there's some people who would be happy to talk to you about that, um, and. Uh, Go, go, to, go to South America. Uh, we met a Brazilian pastor this spring. Uh, his church is like 20,000 members, I think. And uh, they're seeing like, hundreds of people come to faith in Christ every week. Ooh, wow, what is God doing? Um, he's doing something new. Andrew Walls comments on why he thinks this happens. And he says... Uh, Basically, wherever the Gospel goes, life gets better. That that when you live in in sync with the Creator Father, then life gets better for you and for your neighbors. And then as life gets better, uh, you become tempted to trust the betterness rather than the Creator Father. And the Gospel keeps moving on to places where people are desperate enough to rely on Jesus only. And so we have a lot to learn from brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who know more about how to depend on Jesus only. Because in their part of the world, depending on Jesus doesn't give them more power. It doesn't give them more cultural acceptance. And if we're called now to live in a part of the world where faithfulness to Jesus might put us at odds with the culture around us, We're just learning something that our people worldwide have known for a long time. And so, um, as we get better at building friendships across cultures and learning what God is doing and has been doing in other parts of the world and what it means to to be a follower of His from Ethiopia, what it means to follow Him if you're from Korea, what it means to follow Him if you're a second generation Korean American. um, what it means to follow him if you're from China. Um, knowing those things will, will put us more in touch with what God is doing around the world and uh, throughout the globe. And what he's been doing for centuries, right? He hasn't let uh, the good news about Jesus take root in one place and be centered there forever. There's been this movement around the world, and he's moving again. And if we continue to think that all of God's purposes revolve around English speakers who are from the Western world, or from North America in particular, then we're going to be out of sync with what He is doing in our time. Um, We're not just out of sync with what's going on culturally. We're out of sync with what God is doing globally. And we want to be in sync. So the more we embrace a calling that has a cross-cultural component, the better aligned we will be with what God is doing in the world. So um, those are two answers to the kinds of questions that Dr. Kim is getting. Uh, We we think this is critical because of what God is doing through the Gospel and what God is doing around the globe. Let me add a third uh, personal testimony um, back in August, there was a, an event here uh, called One, One Race. is a movement. They sponsored an event at Stone Mountain. And um, had uh, just invited people from all over Atlanta, from all kinds of backgrounds and churches, to come together and to uh, engage in a time of repentance before God uh, and worship and asking Him to help us be part of, is that my alarm going on? Be. Yes, it is. Yeah. Good. So, uh, I'm supposed to meet with you, Michelle. Since Michelle is still here, I'm not late. Um, so during that time, as, as all these people were gathered and just saying, hey, we think God wants us to be part of the solution to uh, a lot of the uh, racial um, difficulties that are part of life in America in the 21st century. We, we, we think, we think, this is one race's slogan, that, that the cure for a divided nation is a united church. That it would be good for our neighbors if we get better in the church at loving each other. That would be good for our, our whole Culture. And as part of that, we have a time of worship and singing. And uh, we don't all come from the same culture, okay? And so that, that includes church cultures. And uh, if you hang around a Presbyterian church long enough, there will be a lot of scripture passages read every time you worship. A lot of Bible. Need me my Bible. Well, the planners of this particular worship event uh, on Stone Mountain didn't come from that background. So I pulled out my Bible and, and said, I, I want to read some scripture texts as I pray, uh, as we sing. Um, and uh, well, I know Psalm 117 uh, says something about God's work among the nations. So I just read that morning, Psalm 117, started work my way all the way through the end of the Psalms. And every time... This cross-cultural emphasis came up. I marked it. Here's some of the passages that I marked. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol Him, all you peoples. For great is His love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Also Mark, Psalm 119, a psalm about God's Word, right? Well, guess what? You read and you find this in the middle. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I haven't always been a friend to all who follow the word. I haven't hated them. I haven't been racist Right? You pat me on the back of that, right? That's not what this text says. This text says I should be a friend. Have I been saying yes to pursuing friendship with people who aren't like me? I haven't always. I'm learning to. Psalm 120. It uh, says this. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. So, Mark, uh, I can't read them all to you. We don't have enough time. Psalm 133 says this: "How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity! How good it is when all of us, one family, one people, live together in unity!" Now, this is not some pipe dream. We're not saying that everybody in the whole world can be unified by just seeking unity. Only Jesus is big enough and good enough to unite people from the whole world under Himself. Right? That's that's the only place that, that this will really come from long term. Uh, that's our hope. And then as we get toward the end of the Psalms, this thing keeps coming up. Uh, and this is how the, the songbook of God's people, the Psalms ends. Breath, everything have breath right And uh, so one of the things I recognize is, is that Scripture is full of invitations to seek relationships with people who are from different cultural and ethnic backgrounds. Some of those people are people who don't follow Jesus, and part of my friendship with them would be hoping that I could invite them to know the Lord. But, but many people are my brothers and sisters in faith in Christ and... And I've just not been saying yes to friendships with them the way that I should. And um, learning to do that. So that was a significant time for me on, on the mountain, right? To to walk through the scriptures and see, oh, this is not something that's a, a moment of social activism in the 21st century. This is not a millennial thing. This is not a post 60s thing. This is at the heart, the heart of what God has always intended for His people. A um, church like ours, the Presbyterian Church in America, has typically sought that by sending missionaries to other nations. That's an important ministry. I think what we're seeing now from Scripture, though, is that this isn't just a calling for specialists who travel to faraway places. Uh, this is a calling for every one of God's people, wherever we are. As Jesus brings all things together under Himself and creates from all the ethnic, all the ethnic groups one new humanity, uh, where there's peace. Uh, I don't think it'll be easy. I don't think following a crucified Savior takes you to easy places. And in the short term, there's a lot a lot of uh, costly love to be expressed, but in the long term, there is this vision of all tribes and tongues and peoples and nations gathered to worship the Lamb on the throne forever. So, that's parts one and two. Uh, We'll we'll get to the other parts later. Now, next week, uh, Dr. Entz will be teaching us and at this time, 9.30, we'd love for you to come again, but don't come to this room. Uh, we will gather in the sanctuary at 9.30 next week. Uh, we anticipate this room may not be big enough to hold us. We've invited guests from other churches as well. Um, so we'll meet at 9.30 in the sanctuary next week. And uh, you don't have to wait till next week to come to the sanctuary. You can come there in the next five minutes. And so I'll see you there uh, in a few minutes.